When we are isolated, we don't do well. Have any of you ever, ever been in a bad place? You know, our sister was talking about just depression. Uh, depression can take you to a really, really bad place. Or even just a mild form of discouragement isn't so great either. Um, you find yourself withdrawing from people, withdrawing from the body of Christ. In fact, I, I tell my wife on a regular basis, I do not know how people live in this world without the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, I got the best family in the world. It's all of you guys. It's not only my biological family. It's my church family. Uh, my life is so full of great relationships. Uh, I have so many wonderful friends, and it's all because of Jesus, and it's all because of the church. I don't know how people function outside of the body of Christ, so I want to encourage you. This is one of the greatest resources. Again, our dear sister talking about mental health. Uh, we need each other to be mentally healthy, all right? We need each other. I'll say it more strongly. We need each other to be sane. Uh, you're not good by yourself, and I'm not good by myself either. And so, praise the Lord. From the very beginning, God said it was not good for man to be alone, and he gave us the privilege of relationships. And so this series, I want to just whet your appetite today. This series is going to have practical application to every single person in this room because it's our series on relationship. It will speak to every marriage in this room. So I'm going to make you uncomfortable over the next five weeks in your marriages so that you'll have an amazing marriage. Is that okay with everybody? Sometimes we have to be made uncomfortable first. The life groups are going to build on what we're talking about here so you can take it deeper. The marriage ministry is going to be focusing on what we're talking about here on trust. So again, it's going to take it deeper into the marital relationships and the goal after all of this. Uh, how about this? This, is, this, what we're talking about today, has incredible application into the marketplace and into business and into every aspect of our lives. We're talking about trust and how important trust is. Now, how many of you know the Lord reveals himself to us as a trustworthy God? In fact, he, the admonition in Scripture over and over again is trust in the Lord, right, with all of your heart. And God gives us lots of reasons why he is worthy of our trust. When you trust somebody, it's because they're a safe person, they're a safe place. It's because, you know, you can give yourself fully to somebody that you completely trust uh, with your life. Amen? Wouldn't it be great in our marriages? We know this is true with the Lord. Uh, he is faithful and true. And he wants, he's worthy of our full surrender, which is what we do when we come here on Sunday morning. We worship him. We surrender to him. But how about this? Wouldn't it be great if the people that you worked with were so trustworthy that you could fully give yourself to them? Wouldn't it be great if in your marriage, your spouse was so incredibly trustworthy that you could completely trust him or her with your life and with your heart? Wouldn't that be awesome? I told my wife the other day, I've been immersed in this series. I said to Mary, and I said, honey, I trust you explicitly with everything except brain surgery. I wouldn't have you do brain surgery on me. But everything else, I, I trust you with explicitly. Uh, and I mean that uh, because, uh, so we're going to talk, we're going to unpackage. What, what does this look like to have trusting relationships? Because listen, you, you got up, first of all, why did you stand up in front of 500 people who you don't know and share your guts? Because would you say this is a safe place? So you got set free by the trustworthy one, but now you're in a place where you, did you feel scared like people are going to, okay, good, that's my point. Like this is a safe place. This is a safe place. Like you can get healed in a safe place. 
When you trust people around you, you can get the fullness of what Jesus died to give us. But if you're in an atmosphere or a work setting or a marriage or a church or anywhere in life where you don't trust people, you automatically cut off the source of what God's trying to do in your life. And can I just tell you, most of us have been damaged in relationships, and so we, don't, we already have a little trust bias, all right, a mistrust bias going on. But we all need people, and we need relationships where we can just unload, we can share, we can be ourselves. And, and that's really the goal of what we're trying to accomplish in this series uh, over the next few weeks. There's an amazing passage of Scripture I want to start with this morning. It's in 1 Kings chapter 4. It sounds like uh, a, a governmental transition passage in the Bible, not all that exciting. Solomon is putting together his cabinet in 1 Kings 4. And he start making a list of all these leaders that he's putting around him. He's got a guy in charge of the military, and he's got uh, some priests, and he's got uh, you know, all, all different leaders. But in verse 5, we come across this interesting little, little uh, sentence here. It says, Zabud, son of Nathan, a priest, was a trusted advisor to the king. One translation says he was the king's friend. Another translation said he was an advisor to the king. Another translation says trusted counselor. You get the point. Isn't it interesting? As as Solomon's building out his cabinet, one of the key positions on his cabinet was friend of the king. How many of you need someone like that in your life? Trusted advisor. I mean, we have doctors. We have lawyers. We have dentists. We have financial planners. We have, we have all kinds of business associates, whatever it is. But somewhere in your world, you need trusted friend because everybody needs a confidant, somebody that you can unload your heart with. And Solomon had one of those people. It has been said by George MacDonald, few delights can equal the mere presence of one whom we trust utterly. Have you got those people in your life that, you know, when you're with them, you can just be yourself and you can share what's going on, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You can just lay it all out there and know that you're going to be heard and you're going to be received and you're going to be loved and you're going to be encouraged in spite of whatever it is that you're going through. We all need people like that in our lives because we're wired for connection and the electricity that flows through that wiring is something called trust. I just want to highlight this morning the importance of trust. It is literally the foundation of every single relationship, no matter what setting you're in. If there's no trust, there's nothing good that's happening. Trust is the fuel that makes all of life operate. And let me just say this. We're, we're in a time right now where trust is at an all-time low in our nation. I get that. And many, many people are cynical. Maybe you've been like this. I've heard people say, well, pastor, I just don't trust anybody. Never have, never will. People are not trustworthy. That only leads to trouble. People let you down. Therefore, I'm not going to go there, and I'm just simply going to go through life with my guard up. Have you ever known people like that? Maybe that person's been you at a time. And what I hear when someone talks like that is, this is somebody that's been deeply wounded. Can I get an amen on that? This is somebody that's been deeply wounded, uh, and they have their guard up. And, And let me just say, I get it. Forbes magazine just came out with a study, and this was the title. Trust in fellow Americans hits an all-time low. Most people don't trust other people in our culture today. In fact, it's not just personal trust. It's institutional trust. The government's at an all-time low, trust in government. How about this one? How many of you trust the media? That's what I thought. 
So a lot of folks have just given up watching the news altogether uh, because we just don't want to deal with the propaganda. Every institution is at an all-time low. We're talking about the, the uh, uh, institutionalized, the weaponization of, of many of our institutions. And, and I'm with you. I think, I think uh, mistrust is not bad when it's, when it's legit. I mean, uh, we're not supposed to be foolish. We're not supposed to just throw our trust out there and trust anybody. What I'm trying to say is we've reached a place in our culture today when people, I think cynicism is just the default for most people. Like, who can I trust? Let me just also mention, if complete honesty here, trust in the local church and in local church leadership, all-time low. So it's not just out there. I mean, no, it's spilled into here. But what I'm trying to say is simply this. You cannot go through life with a I don't trust anybody approach in business, in your marriage, raising your kids, uh, you, you're trusting your pastor, trusting people sitting next to you, your life group, whatever. If that's your approach to life, you're not going to, it's not going to end very well. Uh, so once again, we have to kind of face the, the problems and face the challenges and not succumb to kind of the jaded cynicism that's all around us in the world. Because here's the point I want to make. You cannot go through a single day without demonstrating trust in people. And I'm going to, I'm going to prove my point, all right? Some of you know Marion and I were away last week with David and Gina Santana, wonderful people. They speak Spanish, which makes them even more wonderful, especially when you're in a Spanish-speaking country. They were literally my vocal cords, my mouth, they did better than my mouth could do. Because how do you know when David speaks in that wonderful Spanish accent, he just... I can see why, I can see, Gina, why he swept you off your feet, all right? (laughs) He didn't sweep me off my feet, but I'm just saying, I can see if I were you, why that would happen. But here's the deal. We got on an airplane to fly home. I don't know who the pilot is. I've never met the pilot. I didn't peek in there, hey, are you the pilot? Uh, let me just give you, check you out a little bit here. Where'd you go to school? How many years you've been flying? I didn't do anything. You know what? I got on the plane. I got excited about the pretzels, and I just bu- buckled up, and we're ready to go. All right? I have no idea who the pilot even is. I don't shake his hand. I didn't even say hi. I didn't get a picture nothing. I had to trust the mechanics who work on the plane. I didn't even think about whether the plane was trustworthy to get in. And I'm grateful I didn't have to think about that. I got too many other things to think about. How about this? We, we ate out at the airport. I have no idea who made my sandwich. Not a clue. But I ate the whole thing. It was amazing. It was amazing. I, I didn't even think about, hey, did they wash their fingers when they were... I didn't, never crossed my mind. We had a potbelly sandwich. I just wolfed down the whole thing. It was amazing. How about this one? David, you know, he's walking around. He's still got the cane thing. In fact, he, he went down there to get two screws taken out of, his, out of his foot, all right? I told him I could have taken those screws out for a fraction of the cost at that doctor. <laughs> but anyway, he, de- he decided I wasn't trustworthy. He went to the doctor, and uh, I don't blame him for that. But how many of you know, so, so he's got to be pushed around in a wheelchair, all right, through the airport. Anyway, I won't make a comment about that one. But here's the point. He never met that person that was pushing him in the wheelchair. That person could have been a serial killer for all we know. We just trust that person to wheel David around. They were breathing heavy, too, I might add, when they're pushing David around. They're breathing heavy. But anyway, they pushed him around. 
And we never questioned that person's character or integrity. And then on the way home, Gina Santana was driving this big van all the way home. I've never been in a car with Gina driving. But I trusted her. It was amazing. And we got home fine. She's actually a really remarkable driver. But I didn't, I didn't have to think about that. My point is this. We trust every single day. We trust, 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 trust. In almost every relationship that we have, there's trust. And so trust is like the oxygen of life. You cannot go through life without trusting lots and lots of people, whether you've even thought about it or not. It is an unavoidable element of everyday life. And let me just state the obvious. The moment the trust is gone, everything begins to fall apart. Now, check this out. You cannot speak without the assumption of truth. People say, I don't believe in truth. I would say, do you truly believe that? (laughs) You can't talk without believing in truth. Because every time you open your mouth and say something, you're starting from the, prepos- or from the proposition that what you're saying is true or you would have no reason to utter it. It's an amazing thing. It's, why, it's, why, it's an argument for why God exists. Can I just tell you something else? You cannot function without trust, which is based on truth, because every single thing that you do in life, if you're moving and acting, you're acting on the basis of trust in something. So here's what we're stuck with. We can either have a broken truster, if there's such a thing. Our, our trust equipment can be jacked up and broken, and we can go through life crippled, emotionally and relationally crippled, or we can sit in a series like we're about to go through and learn how to get healed. How I many you know when your trust has been broken, you've got to figure out how to rebuild it? And if you've been full of trauma, as many people have, You automatically have a bias towards trusting anybody, but that bias has to be overcome by Christ so that you can be a trustworthy person. Because how many know the Bible says something like this? I'm paraphrasing. Even when we are unfaithful, God remains faithful. So check this out. My, My ability to be a trusting person has nothing to do with anybody else's untrustworthiness. In other words, I can't let somebody else's broken trust equipment cause me to be a cynical, jaded person who doesn't trust anybody. I'm called to be a trustworthy person and a person who demonstrates trust in other people. And that's risky business, is it not? It's risky business. But we have to learn how to navigate this. All right? Moving on here. A strategy of non-trust, as I said, will not succeed. And so Let's uh, talk about this phrase, trustworthy. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is trust is worthy of our utmost respect and care. Now, when you're first married, you take trust for granted. In fact, I asked Marion to marry me. She said yes. We went to the altar. She still said yes in front of all the witnesses. I said yes. We took trust for granted. I got a ring to prove it on my finger. I trust for granted. But how many know when you're young, you can be stupid? And you can say stupid things, and you can do stupid things that you don't even realize are damaging to your marital trust. Because you're ignorant. That's a better word than stupid. You're ignorant, and you're not being cautious and careful. Now, we had a driver down in Honduras. His name is Hector. He's an amazing guy. And I always, first of all, if your wife gives any of you guys grief about your driving, come with me on a mission strip, all right? Um, (laughs) 
because um, these guys don't know anything about double lanes and stuff like that. Like, they whip around curves on the other side, and you're just going, Jesus, Jesus, help us. Angels of the Most High God surround our car. And I always look over at my wife and say, see, you know, my driving's not that bad, all right? <laughs> Hector could be your husband, all right? But here's the point. Hector notices his vehicle. He takes care of it with meticulous care and caution, all right? Everything in the truck was spotless. The tires were bright and shiny. And after a busy day of travel over dusty roads, he takes the time to wash it. I started looking at him. I thought, oh, this care for this vehicle. And, and it dawned on me, ah, this truck is his most important tool. In fact, if the truck is not working, his livelihood is not working. No truck, no income. So how many of you know that truck is really, really important, as it should be in his eyes, and so he cares about it, he notices it, he repairs it, and he guards it meticulously. What if we looked at our trust equipment with the same kind of care? If we noticed it, if we repaired it, if we guarded it, if we maintained it, if we protected it? Because trust is like relational oxygen. When the oxygen in your lungs stops, you're no longer able to breathe, you realize, I like oxygen. I'm going to be in an oxygen-rich environment because it's much better than suffocating, all right? So you begin to... Treat the relationships around you with special care because you realize trust is so valuable. It can be destroyed in a moment. It takes a whole lifetime to develop. So you begin to look at it and guard it, and you begin to take care of it because it's literally the vehicle that takes you down the highway of life. Without trust, we got nothing. But here's the problem. Our built-in desire to trust can work against us. Now, I've seen this in people, and I've been guilty myself a time or two. If you're a person with a strong pastoral heart and a mercy gift, any of those mercy gift people out there? I mean, all right, some mercy gift. When we talk about mercy, that means like you're driving down the side of the road and you see a total stranger that looks like they might have a need and you're hitting the brakes and you're jumping out and you're taking your shirt off to give it to them without thinking about anything because you just love people and you care about people. Isn't this amazing? But those kind of people can get their trust equipment squashed in a hurry. Because sometimes you give people the benefit of the doubt when you shouldn't. So we're going to talk about, like, how do we, if our natural tendency is to extend trust, how do we make sure that trust is actually working for us and not against us? Because many times if we have a big heart for people, we just automatically uh, reach out. We automatically want to help. But sometimes we make the mistake of trusting too soon, uh, too much too soon. Let me give you some examples in real life. Have any of you ever been tempted, or maybe you have, bought that less than fully inspected house because you love the front porch? The front porch was so awesome. But you didn't look at the foundation. But the front porch was really sweet. You always wanted a front porch like that, and you got mega burned on a house because you didn't take the time to inspect. Or how about this one? You made an unwise investment because you knew the guy who gave you the good stock tip. And because you trusted him as your friend, you trusted him as your financial planner, which isn't always a good thing just because they're your friend. Or how about the bad hire? You needed somebody now, and you hired that person now. 
<laughs> and then you found out later they were a serial killer because you didn't check the background. Or how about the business deal that you went into because you didn't take the time to do your homework on that and ended up getting burned. So we need to make sure that trust works for us and not against us. We need to make sure that our, our heads and our heart are working together. This is many times why you marry somebody who's the opposite of you, not to frustrate you, but to keep you out of trouble, all right? Because sometimes people are big heart people, and they get married to a big head person, and the heart and head are supposed to go together, working together, so that you don't end up getting burned, amen? So a little marriage stuff right there, but this is all good. I want you to think of some situations that maybe people in this room are dealing with right now. Any of you that are single, you don't have to raise your hand, but single folks, you're looking for a prospect, a relational prospect, somebody that maybe you could spend the rest of your life with. How many of you think knowing whether or not you should extend trust towards that person would be like a mega big decision? And this is where, you know, dads come in. I've had this discussion with some of my kids every now and then. I say, look, you don't marry potential. Okay? Don't marry potential. Now, you want somebody with sky's the limit potential, but you also want actual. So this is good stuff, all right? Like, how do I know if I want to give my life to this person? I mean, it is kind of a big commitment. What about in our married relationships? What if you're going, you know what? We had so much trust at the beginning, but we just seem to be on autopilot right now, and and I'm not so sure I really trust him or her the way I once did. All right? We're going to get into this, which I'm just whetting your appetite. How many of you know trust and parenting go hand in hand? I have seen parents that demonstrate zero trust towards their kids. They control them, they squash them, they they keep them corralled, Uh, zero trust. And my question is, why don't you trust kids that you've raised in your home? Now that, I just had an epiphany. (laughs) These children have been raised in your home. Why do you have a hard time saying, I believe in you, and handing them the keys and letting them fly? I mean, you know, a lack of trust in your parenting can actually alienate and push your kids miles away from you, which is exactly what you don't want. We're going to get into some of that. How about this one? A business owner trying to build trust with customers or potential customers. Kind of a big deal to the success of your business, whether or not people actually trust you. I'm trying to help you guys out financially. We have a building to pay for, for crying out loud. Come on. (laughs) How about an entrepreneur? you got to raise capital. You're meeting with your investors, and they're trying to look at you and go, is this person trustworthy? Wow. We're talking about billion-dollar deals here in the next few weeks. A leader knowing how to build trust among his or her team. A medical facility being able to build trust with patients in the community. i got to tell you, I went in one time to have a consultation with a doctor, Uh, for some surgery. I won't go into any more detail than that. Um, But while I was sitting in the waiting room, he was in his office right next to my room 
dropping F-bombs at the hospital that he was employed with and chewing them out and basically saying how much money he was worth and how much money he was bringing to the hospital. And I'm sitting five feet away uh, listening to all this. Then he came in, and he had a giant mustard stain on his blue shirt that he had not sufficiently addressed, at least not to my satisfaction. And then he was incredibly arrogant and told me that I absolutely needed surgery and that he was the one to perform the surgery. And when he left, I just had this feeling of great dissatisfaction because I listened to him talk. He was obviously very good at what he did, and he knew it. That was the problem. He spent no time listening to me, and it was that nasty mustard stain. (laughs) I kept thinking... If this guy has that nasty mustard stain on his belly and he's talking to me about surgery, there might be mustard going into my body <laughs> that, because he should know better than that because he's a physician. He cuts people open for crying out loud. Convince me that you are worthy to cut me open. All right? So I'm just telling you, trust is a big deal. Now, grace to all of you who cannot go through a meal without dropping something on the front of your blouse or your shirt. No judgment from your pastor. But I won't let you perform surgery on it. That's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) How about a church developing trust with our church family? And how about this, with the community at large? Kind of a big deal, isn't it? A salesperson trying to make a deal, make a sale. Anybody that's in customer service representative out here, I think of Eli, who's in charge of a whole hospital, Eli Amazon, turning an angry caller into a raving fan of your hospital. Nonprofit organizations building trust with donors and so forth, uh, very, very important. So literally what I'm trying to say is if I took the time and we had the time this morning to figure out what you do, who you are, how you operate, every single one of you would have an issue where if you could learn to maximize trust, you could learn to be more successful and more fruitful in your life. Amen? So that's, I, I, that's my plea. That's the, best, that's the best I got this morning is to get you back next week, and then we're going to start unpackaging what this looks like, how to, how to be a high-trust person and how to create high-trust environments Obviously, uh, the church and Christ and our relationship with him, he's the the gold standard. But what does it look like to walk with the Lord in this crazy world where things are not happening that are inspiring us, I guess, to trust? And here's here's my point. If we can learn how to build trust, how to when to enter into trustful relationships, what relationships to avoid, and this one's going to be big. How do we repair relationships where trust has been damaged? Um, not just in our marriages, but sometimes in churches we do business with other people. I don't know, I've, how many of you have heard this before? You know, I'm never going to do business with any Christian, man. If they got a fish on their bumper sticker, I'm out. How many of you know people without fishes on their bumper sticker still can be bad people to trust? It's not like they only come to church. But sometimes we've been wounded by other people. There are people in this room who have lost money from doing business with other people in the church. I'm not saying our church, I pray not, but I'm also not naive. But my point is this. How do we get past some of those things and learn to establish godly trust where we, where we learn to move together, flow together, and see God do great things because we have a high trust environment around here? So I'm going to argue that what we really need most is 
Wisdom and discernment, not cynicism. Amen? The Holy Spirit's job inside of us is to give us the wisdom of God. And how many of you know when you get a little check in your spirit, that's the Holy Spirit saying, tap the brakes a little bit. And, uh, and I want us to give us a model so we learn how to move with wisdom in terms of how we, how we uh, build trust, how we move forward from woundedness, how we reestablish, how we look, what are we looking for in terms of extending our trust in people. Uh, and here's the whole goal of all this. Wouldn't it be great if you were part of a church where the people around your life were people that you really truly trusted and loved? and you believed in them, and you were concerned about them, and, and you had their back, and they had your back, and, uh, and you were in an environment where you could really grow. That would be awesome. Wouldn't it be great if you had a whole bunch of relationships in your life where you could literally sit down over a cup of coffee and say, hey, let me tell you what's going on in my life. And can I just tell you, I, I, I'm speaking as somebody who is, I'm a rich man, all right? In fact, I'm, I just want you all to know I am wealthy. I am I am so wealthy, it's embarrassing how wealthy I am. Because I can't tell you how many folks I could sit down right now and just share my heart with in this room. I'm looking at all your beautiful faces, and I mean that with all my heart. That's, that's the culture that the church should facilitate, those types of relationships, those types of friendships. So stand to your feet. I want to pray for us. I want our leadership team to come forward. And, you know, today's just a great day to kind of just examine our hearts right now where are you at? Have you kind of taken on the cynicism of the world around us? And are you just one of these people that's really, really guarded this morning? Like, I'm not letting anybody close. I'm not letting anybody in. Now, sometimes even me as a pastor, you've had experiences with other pastors, other churches where somebody did you wrong. And now every time your pastor gets up to speak, you got this lens up because you remember pastor so-and-so or whatever. And, and all of a sudden, uh, you're guarded. Guarded at church, guarded at work, guarded in your marriage, guarded everywhere. I'm talking to you this morning. The Holy Spirit's talking to you. This is the first volley to say, man, I need to, I need to let the wall down. I need to ask the Lord to dismantle all these bricks I put up to keep me protected from, from the very people and the very relationships that were meant to heal you. So some of you need to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to give this trust thing a, a second chance here. I'm going, to, I'm going to give it a second go around. And I just want to pray for you this morning. Lord, for folks that have been incredibly wounded and traumatized with life, with betrayal, with rejection, all the things, Lord, that just cause us to put the walls up, we just ask you, Lord, begin to dismantle the pain and the hurts and all the distancing, the emotional distancing that has happened in so many people's lives. Jesus, I ask you by the power of the Holy Spirit that this series, as we really take a deep dive, that we would begin to see our hearts come alive again. I just pray for someone this morning whose heart is really hardened because of wounding. I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to begin letting the rain, that gentle rain of, of heaven, fall on our hearts. Lord, tenderize us. Tenderize us. And I would just say this to everybody in the room. Lord, help us get our eyes off of others and help us get our eyes on ourselves and on uh, the trustworthiness you're trying to bring forth in us, in spite of other people sometimes, what you're trying to do in us. So, Lord, bless our congregation. Holy Spirit, continue to make this an atmosphere and an environment 
where you can move powerfully and heal all of us, Lord, because we need it. And I just want to say before we close today, if you're here visiting or maybe you've been coming for some time and the, the invitation of the Lord is to open the door and to let him in and to trust him. And if you've never done that, you've never submitted your life to Christ, we just want to pray with you today. It's so simple and yet so powerful to invite Christ to be your Lord and to be your Savior. So if that's you, there's lots of friendly people here waiting just to to hug on you, to love you, to pray with you, and to lead you to Christ this morning. So, Father, bless us as we head out of here. Help us to love our community well. Help us to lead well. And help us, Lord, be the kind of people that inspire trust in others. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Hey, love you guys like crazy. If you need prayer, come on down. Have a great week.